0: off the ball daily a home for your favorite podcasts from off the ball the performance rankings you had to be there the crappy quiz and a slight tangent get you going that little if you bit you say it, to
1: anger it. is a great ah, motivator yeah.
0: subscribe to the off the ball daily podcast feed right now
2: otb am with gillette labs get the ultimate shave or your money back neon night edition available now you so unexpected It's one of those you had to be there moments You had to be there It subsequently genuinely did change everything about my life You had to be there Alright it's one of our favourite slots of the week It's you had to be there And our guest this week is James Tracy James how the hell are you?
1: Not too bad gents um, in, a, in a nicer environment than usual
2: <laughs> That looks pretty sweet
1: um, yeah, so we're over here with the family in uh, in Greece at the moment. So uh, yeah, it's a slight upgrade from uh, sitting beside you two with Julia. <laughs> wow, and the weather looks it.
2: terrible. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not not one for for lying out, so I'm uh, taking solitaire in the shade as usual.
2: Okay, well, we're glad to distract you from um, from the difficulty of finding shade in the Greek sunshine. So every, <laughs> yeah. People know the premise of this at this stage. You pick five things that. Um, I've lived with you and, and stayed with you and kind of got you out of your seat. The first one, though, I want to start with from in, in sequence here is all the way back in the year 2000 when Ruby Walsh won the Grand National for the first time on Papillon. And uh, people probably remember this, but loads of people probably too young to remember. But it was actually, it was his father, Ted Walsh's horse. And that was where the, the drama and I think the emotion of the whole thing came. But for you, it was a very local story.
1: Yeah, incredible. So like Ruby Walsh, uh, I grew up in in Kill Village in Kildare and uh, Ruby Walsh was the, you know, one of the the main cities, one of the the biggest stars to um, come out of the village. But, uh, you know, the Grand National is such a big deal in general, but to have someone who grew up up the road, uh, riding in it with a real chance on as far as horse and the... for anyone who watched the race, very like dramatic finish. He, he looks like he has got a win. And then uh he, he ends up kind of finding a a second gear with with about um with about half a half a furlong left and and, and wins it by about um about two lengths. It was uh, unbelievable and then what unfolded from that, you know, our primary school is going nuts, everyone's going nuts, but they brought uh Papillon actually they do it in this day and age with health and safety, Papillon came into the schoolyard. Everyone, like I said, it was a thousand kids all around in fairness. It was probably the calmest horse in the world. Um, there was a huge parade, uh, up the town. There was people coming out from the, from the local, hopping on his back, like riding out the dummy riding out to finish how there wasn't an accident. I don't know, but, uh, incredible memory and, and, um, they're, they're well and truly a massive part of. Of the village, and it was unbelievable to see Ruby be able to get it done for his family and and also um, for Kill and um, for his father. Yeah, because
2: I I think like most people would have grown up watching Ted as an analyst on telly, and sometimes you forget that actually he was still an active trainer the whole way through that.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and uh, it's it's it gives a feeling of you know there's a lot of like horses are a, a big thing in Caldera, especially horse racing. And uh it's the feeling of, you know, someone who you you know winning something that you think is so unattainable, unachievable, um and it gives beliefs to kind of like the next generation. Um so that that's the the amazing part of it. But for for us the the crack and, and the excitement of, of having um someone who, you know, you see at mass, someone you see in the shop and they're winning kind of like one of the hardest things to to do in, in, in horse racing, you know, it's kinda of like the, you want to win a, a gold cup you want to win the the grand national you want to win the irish grand national they're they're the kind of the big three in uh in jumps racing um especially from from where i'm from
2: were you into racing automatically in advance of that did that get you into racing afterwards
1: so uh would have been er- er- everything horsey so uh, my sister would have uh show jumped uh internationally and, and uh we would have hunted and uh we would have went to the races, you know, like Punchestown was a and Mace race course was, was part of our uh our DNA and our our yearly schedule. So uh anything to do with horses, we, we were kinda I grew up uh, around it and uh yeah, like every weekend was we were at a show, at a meet, at a hunt, it was uh it was everything like that. And the Grand National like a
0: staple probably of your of your house growing up regardless. But to see someone from your county winning it like that that must have been so special
1: yeah it was unbelievable and um, the as i said the crack the village like i was far too young then i think it was 9 years old so i wasn't on the pints but uh i i don't think there was uh there there was there was any kegs left on tap by the end of the weekend uh it was unbelievable for for a village and uh yeah he's he's a sporting legend in racing but uh for kill village uh, it was a it was a big day Sorry, did you say those lads
0: just running out from the pub, hopping on the horse and reenacting the end of the race?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so loose. But I think, uh, it, like, in reality, if anyone uh, would have known the Walches, or like, like I wouldn't be surprised if those lads maybe had worked in the yard, or yeah. I'm sure they weren't just letting randoms, you know. But. You know, I'm nine year old kid. Obviously, I'm just seeing these random lads coming out of the in the boozer as he's walking up and hopping on the horse and like doing the the whole thing. Uh, so yeah, no, it was great crack. Um, but yeah, it, it was uh, one one for the memory book, all right, and a, a special day for the village.
2: If you hadn't got involved in in rugby, would there have been a an interest in a career in racing or in show jumping or in horses?
1: So I certainly didn't have the frame to be a jockey, but uh, show jumping, uh, John. I I I I st- I I show jumped uh, from uh, and hunted from about six years old up to about twelve, and uh, I was never any use at it, but I enjoyed it. So uh, you know, I used to just tag along and do it, but it was never something that uh, kind of caught my eye. Mainly because I wasn't good at it, but uh, I, I definitely enjoyed it.
2: If your sister did it for Ireland, she must have been pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah, she was all right. She's handy. She's still pretty good. But yeah, I, the the benefit was in in ponies is that uh, it's kind of done by age and uh, the, the, depending on the size of the pony. So when she'd move on to the next level, I'd get the hand me down. So I would be quite competitive when I got the hand me down at the lower levels. But that was all that was my cheat code. Unfortunately, uh when I tried to jump at the the any the next step up in the elite level, I was I was way off. But uh I had good crack doing it and I loved loved hunting as well. It was it was good fun. Okay. Um, yeah, it was the the second one that we have on your
2: list is actually also uh in Kildare, not that far away. I'm fairly sure it's at the K Club. It is, it is. Roy McElroy winning the Irish Open in twenty sixteen.
1: Yeah, so again it was one of those moments where I didn't And Tis, you know, I wasn't there to, you know, I wasn't following Rory or I wasn't, you know, there, uh, you know, like Ruby where I had the same attachment, but uh, we'd managed myself, my wife, a girlfriend at the time. uh, We're only, we're going out a little while, but uh, we went down because it was, it's only up the road from where I grew up and uh, we'd blagged our way into the clubhouse somehow and and, uh, we're, again, blagged our way onto the the balcony. You you see that iconic shot uh, that he takes, but... When, as it unfolded, of course, my wife's at the bar i I'm now knowing that the like the he 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 was too behind going into sixteen you know, so I kind of prick my ears up of what's going on and uh he's about two fifty three out i think and and hits uh, a five wood they actually they have a plaque now on the fairway where he hit it from, um but hit hits a five wood to about three feet and it was one of those moments where you just know okay, this was something special um and it was him, you know, He he's already, I think he was 27 at that point. So he was well known and everything like that. But I think he was coming into the the peak of his powers and he was just, he was amazing to, to watch. But yeah, just seeing that live, glad I didn't turn around and follow my wife to the bar and miss that iconic moment. But uh, yeah, it was just one of those golf moments and sporting moments where everyone around was just like, wow, you know, like... When, when everything's on the line, um, he, he might have been one shot up, but he, he was definitely one behind going into 16. I think he, he might have eagled that and, and given himself uh, a bit of a jump on the scoreboard. But everything on the line, 250-whatever um, two f- out and putting it to nearly a, a tap-in. Tap-in for him anyway, definitely not for me at three feet, but uh, it was incredible.
2: When Shane Lowry won the Irish Open, obviously in the rain, he was an amateur and we we didn't quite know what an amazing career he was going to have. Harrington had obviously won it in the meantime as well, but it was still kind of when the Irish Open was slightly off-Broadway. McElroy coming back to it and it being at the K Club had that bang of big event feel. And so for him to produce his very best in front of the Irish crowd, when we were all talking ourselves into, oh, it's so difficult for the Irish golfers to come and play at their very best – I think it was a real kind of okay. This guy, look at that talent! Like it's 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 obscene levels of talent that we we see on TV. But he's actually doing it in front of us. That's the special bit I think about it.
1: Yeah, and I and, um, haven't watched it back. Uh, you see how much it means to him as well. You know, like he's he's proper fired up for every big moment that he had. He was properly fired up, and I loved. I loved that that McIlroy. You know, he used to bomb the drive down, and he'd he'd walk past his partner. And he'd stand at his ball. You know, he was such a dominant force in golf, uh, and he still is. You know, and and uh, it's been amazing to to watch his journey, and and have someone Irish be that prominent in a in a sport that's clearly global and so difficult to be in the top one hundred. Never mind in the top ten. Regardless of the fact that
0: you're in a in a team sport, James, you must take little modicums of. I guess enlightenment and and you know things from from individual sports people like Rory that that maybe you, you look and say well Jesus clearly their mentality as you say going down going down the stretch three holes to play when the pressure's most most on at his home uh, Open you know you must take things from that
1: yeah definitely I th- I think a lot of professional uh, sports people love playing. Um, golf and and, uh, and tennis and if, if you're there, like individual sports because it really hones you in and it gives you that same kick of you know you're accountable for yourself on this so it gets the juices flowing from that side of things and, and especially in golf you know it's just you versus the course um, it can be very humbling I've been humbled a million times over by, by the golf course but uh, yeah we've a few handy golfers and answer so we had a uh, we had good fun uh, over, over COVID when we had a bit more time to play and a, a lot of lads kind of stuck with it and got the bug. What
0: is your own game like? What are your strengths and weaknesses?
1: Uh, a lot of weaknesses, not many strengths. I think uh, that'd be, <laughs> that'd sum it up. Is uh, is Sexton the best golfer? Uh, uh, he's definitely top five. Oh, um, I think Brawley, Jordan Larmer, uh, uh himself... Dan Sheehan and who else? Uh there'd be there'd probably be about ten or eleven lads, it'd be single figures, and the lads I named there would be below by in around five or below. Dan Frawley Sheehan. picked up
2: golf. That's sickening. Go on, Dan Frawley. Sh-
1: I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's another one. So Iggy could be off two, maybe. Uh, but yeah, himself and Frawley, I think, could be the lowest. Frawley only picked it up. We played a, a golf scramble. Uh, and and he never played before, so we had him ranked fourth. So anyway, he hopped in with the guys who would have been, uh, you know, a couple too low handicaps and one mid range, and he was the the dud. And the lads romped home by about seven shots, and we were kind of like, "She's like seven, winning by seven shots is a crazy thing." So anyway, uh, he he starts, he's like, "Oh, I'm actually all right at this thing." Starts playing, and uh, within a year, he was scratch. Now he's he's come back, I think, a little bit since then, but. Uh, I've never seen someone take to a sport like he did to to golf, but yeah, the Burns, sorry, the Burns, Harry and and Ross are also very handy. Um, yeah, there's, there's a there's a lot of decent decent golfers.
2: And post retirement, there's no injury issues. You can go back and play, and there's been no long term. You're you're you've no excuses when you're playing golf now, do you?
1: no no, I'm still using the children as an excuse but uh, that one yeah. I wasn't good before I had them and I wasn't good before I had the, the injury so I have, uh, I have plenty of excuses in the back pocket but uh, yeah they're, they're wearing 10 of my friends anyway Jeez,
0: when, when you're listing the names of Leinster players out that are decent golfers I'd love to see a Leinster versus Munster charity golfing event at some point I mean people would pay to see the likes of that but you think they're competitive on the rugby pitch I'd imagine on the golf course that it, it wouldn't calm down that much Sure we could sort that out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. I think we get that going.
2: Uh, right, if any charities out there want us to to do that on their behalf, we'd be more than happy to. Well let's move on to some rugby ones, okay? So the, the first one we have here is Jacob Stockdale's chip and chase against the all blacks in the Aviva. Tell us about this. Why did you pick this? What year is this? Twenty eighteen, it says there, seventeenth of November.
1: Yeah, I just think uh I'm sure most people have seen the the still uh, uh, shot from above of uh, Aaron Smith hanging out of his legs um, as he's kind of dotting the ball over the line. I think it it was just, for me, a real turning point. Obviously, we'd beaten them in Chicago, um, and that was kind of a, a master point in Irish rugby history. The biggest, probably, turning point in Irish rugby history. Um, but I wasn't there for that one, so I, I I couldn't have that one in there. I was a whisker away, actually. I uh, I got pulled in the the training session before uh, we we went to get on the plane. I was going to be a a, a travelling reserve, and uh and Connor Murray had a tight calf, so they brought Luke uh, Luke McGraw instead. So I missed I missed that one. Didn't get to witness that one. So this is my next best beating them at home. Um, but I was just. For me, the, the skill level of Jacob stockdales he's probably the best uh, chip and chaser uh, I've ever seen in my time anyway. His ability to do it uh, and, and regather the ball. I'd love to know the stats on it. I genuinely can't remember him. Uh, unless he gets blocked, I can't remember him not regathering it on the other side of the fence. Um, I think they, they, they did a five-man line. They've run, I've seen other teams run the play since. What they were targeting was uh, the New Zealand backfield and uh, how quickly they, they kind of left the where the, the line outside was. Um, Aaron Smith was kind of covering in behind in the chip space. So it was thrown to Sexton. He does a switch with uh, with Bundy, who throws a, a phenomenal pass to, to Stockdale on the run. And he's left with uh, Brody Retallick uh, in front of him and Sam Whitelock. So a, a tough enough chip to get it over those two uh, tall fellas, but does a great job. Uh, all seems to get the bounce, and that the testament to his strike and how much he must practice that uh, that action uh, and anyway sits up from he tears on and, and he takes him to the house and I think uh, it was nine six at that time and, and you know jitters everything it was forty seven minutes into the game that's that's when you kind of get a bit of separation the belief starts to build you're at home and you're on to to win at home and Irish soil against the, against the all blacks
0: 2018 Jacob Stockdale was just something else James wasn't he like that the levels he reached were iconic
1: unbelievable and and like he had so many huge moments I think in in over probably like a four year period he was he was one of the first names on the team sheet and and, uh, that moment anyway will live with, with me forever I think if you were to give me a moment from Chicago which I wasn't there for it would be the Henshaw try with the scrum play. I think Zeebo does an unbelievable chase on a kick. uh, Leads to, like it was a a scrumming, they'd maybe knock it on, force a knock on, uh, off the scrum. Jamie Heaslip kind of runs sideways and you're thinking, what's he doing here? Um, And he does a switch with Henshaw, uh, who who does unbelievable to to finish it from there and he dots it down over his head and that was kind of the moment we knew we we were going to win and uh, have that moment. So, uh, yeah, we've we've had a lot of amazing times uh, with Irish rugby recently, and, and uh, it's just great to to appreciate it and 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 take them all in. And, and as I said, I wasn't there for for that one, but I was there for the Stockdale one, and and that one kind of lived with me of like, you know, we, we can actually compete on the world stage, and and uh, we are good enough to do this.
0: You talk about the likes of Rory McIlroy down the, you know, what three holes to play, you know, hitting a two hundred and fifty three yard drive, but. Similarly, Jacob Stockdale, with what half an hour left in a game against the All Blacks, with so much at stake, I think it, the game finished at sixteen nine in Ireland's favour, uh, according to the graphic we had on screen there. So the game's in the melting pot, and to to even conjure up an idea to do a chip and chase, never mind execute it at that point of a game, yeah. is, is something else.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so uh, he he tried chipping earlier in the game as well and got blocked down. So having having the confidence to uh, to back himself. Again, like mm. that would have been a set play where they would have known that the, the space would have been on in the backfield. if Everyone did their job, and it's about executing it. Like as he said, the you know you're all in. It's either it works. Like Brodie Retallick could easily catch that and run the length of the field. He's a he's a freak athlete. So um, it was incredible show of confidence, ability, um, and just setting that like tone and, and getting the momentum going for for. Uh, Ireland as a as a nation for uh, our rugby side and uh, like what crack you know the the, the lift it gave everyone that's like the the vibe absolutely hopping after that moment because it's as as I said a little bit earlier it's it's actually that we can actually do this you know we we can back it up and and uh, we can beat the All Blacks who who for so long were this uh, unbeatable force.
2: Stockton was 21 or 22 then. He's still only 27, so there's still plenty of time for him to get back to that form. Is it possible that the injuries are are past him now and that he can actually begin to come back to that level of, of athleticism and bravery?
1: 100%. I, I think he's so many attributes. Um, and like sports, it's funny, it can it can be the best thing in the world and it can be the worst thing in the world. and And, you know, injuries... Um, are, are just a part and parcel of of having a, a pro career, and it's how you navigate through the the highs and the lows, and um, having the right people around you, and setting yourself up for success. And and listen, he he was the best, one of the best wingers in the world. He's one of the for that period, one of the best Irish wingers of all time. Of course, he can. He he's done it. So like, of course, he can do it again. It's just finding that. Um. Finding that spark inside himself and, and getting his confidence going again, and it's momentum um, from there on. Um, and he's such an asset to have in, in a team, even never mind his attacking side of things. But um, just his kicking alone, he's an absolute cannon um, of a boot. Which is in in the modern day, it's very very important to be able to exit well against big teams and get down its territory. game.
0: Did you ever have the audacity to uh, try a chip and chase, James, in your? Story career?
1: Uh not not quite not quite a chip and chase. I had a very sad, almost very good kick, uh against Cardiff. I come over the back of the line now. I think it was they were on our ten, maybe. I'm gonna say our twenty two, but it was actually the ten. And uh ball comes over the top, I catch it, uh and I I boot it. Now pitch 22s twenty two didn't exist back then, but um I'm running anyway after it, and it looks like it's going to dribble out, but it doesn't. And uh, oh, the, the winger's name just gave me Welsh winger. Um, anyway, I'm thinking he's not going to cut. And, he's not going to get in the touchline side here. There's only about a, a half a half meter of space. He's going to try to go open. So I, I'm standing waiting for him to go But anyway, he beats me up the touchline side. So from going from like being able to get him out after doing my only ever kick, pretty much. In there, 22. He then kicks it, uh, a banana kick from his 22, and it rolls out our five-meter line. And <laughs> um, so I now have a defensive throw from the five. I'm just like, for God's sake, like what a clanger, almost unbelievable. And then the biggest clanger ever. Left uh, So yeah, it does. It <laughs> does. So that was my uh, one of my only kicks, and uh, I don't think I'll be. I'll be. I work. I did not I won't get a chance. But I don't. I never bold enough to do it again after
2: that and I'm sure nobody ever brought it up either they're they're good like that and change rooms
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no that one's forgotten very quickly yeah 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 so uh, yeah and will be forgotten forever
2: we actually have one of your games you played in the first game at the new Aviva when they reopened Lansdowne Road um, this was one of those fixtures where it was a combined Leinster Ulster team versus Connacht Munster slightly uh, unevenly matched sides it has to be said
1: in reflection yes uh but at the time like um yeah i don't know who, like who picked who'd go with who but at the time it, you know we we thought we were going in for for a war and uh it didn't turn out that way you know we ended up winning by 80 something points um but yeah unbelievable to be uh to be part of the, the first kind of you know the new lands road um And I think a few, like a few names, have kind of kicked on and then to have good pro careers as well. Um, And another one for the pub quiz is Craig Gilroy um, scoring the first ever try in the in the New Aviva Stadium. Um, Paddy Jackson kicked a Crossfield kick to him, and um, he finished it well. And yeah, Craig. Craig, uh, He also is probably another one for a pub quiz. Probably the only player to come off the bench and score a hat trick. Uh, He did. He did that against Italy in the Six Nations. and never play for their country again. Uh he's uh, he was an unbelievable finisher in his time as well and um an incredible player to play with. But yeah, he's in, for the pub quiz he's the first ever player to score in the uh in the Viva Stadium Sorry, I of a butterfly here who's making friends with me. There you go,
2: sorry. I thought you were in your stomach thinking about it, but no, it's an actual real butterfly. So um, this is the uh, official opening of the stadium and they wanted to make sure that there was a game played before the national side played. I think that was part of it. Um, I'm just looking through the team. So you win 85-0. From your perspective, what was the level of excitement about being involved and being picked and being asked to play? Like, Where were you at that stage of your career?
1: So I was still playing loosehead then, so I would have been um, very, like, very, very early on. It was just, it was an exciting time to be part of. Of one, it was a piece of history of the first game there, but also very unusual that you were like joining with a province. You know, it wasn't like an Ireland camp where you've kind of all the different provinces. You're just joining with one province. You're trying to uh, like mesh everything up together, and, and then. Go on from there, but um, yeah, no, it, it was it was great fun. We we had um, you know uh, a lot of guys. You know, Ian Henderson was playing that day. Um, I'm trying to think. There, Andy Warwick on on the other side. There was like loads of guys who went on to kick on to play good professional careers. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't say they probably remember the day as fondly as I did. It was it was fairly uh, fairly probably the, the hardest part was running back to the halfway line every every couple of minutes because the <laughs> likes of uh, Craig Gilroy and, and uh, Andrew Boyle and a few others Sam murray were uh, were tearing it up and, and yeah it was one of those easy days to, to be a forward uh, and a few good pals of mine Mark McGordy I remember at the game of his life he went on to have a, a great career with UCD um, but yeah it was, a, it was a special one
2: I see Tig Leader's name um, on the opposition he obviously is involved in uh getting all those irish kids over to america to play yeah. uh, american football as kickers so um that's a, another interesting career uh, when who tapped you on the shoulder and said right you're going to be a hooker now what how, how did that happen
1: that was Joe miss so i uh i was in my or going into my final year in the academy and uh like realistically well now in in retrospect realistically like I, I didn't have the frame but that was what he said to me, put me into his office and he was like, uh, you know, uh, do you want to play for Ireland? That was kind of the first line. And I was like, yeah, uh, of course. And he said, well, it won't be at Loosehead. Uh, you don't have the frame. And I think you should move to Hooker. So I just said, uh, OK. Um, you know, you're what you know, you're I was a bit, bit shook anyway, kind of talking to the head coach or young fella. But he was like, I think I think you should move to Hooker. Um you know, you will have a chance of doing it there. So uh, that was it. I started throwing that day, and um, within probably, I think that, so. That would have been going at the very, very start of preseason. Coming in at the end of preseason, I played my first game um, against Monster in a preseason uh, game at Hooker, and, and uh, kind of went from there. Now, I, I think I've told you before, I was. I probably wasn't comfortable with the ball going out of play for about three years maybe probably five years uh but it was a you know without him i wouldn't have had a a career so uh he gave me my first cap also and my first ireland cap so uh I owe a lot he moved me position and he uh he, he gave me the opportunities Um so yeah very very lucky to have had joe and and uh for him to kind of steer me in in the right direction
0: it's interesting that that it's not surprising that, that Joe Schmidt had those people skills as well because so many uh, coaches over the years could just pick their favourites, move on with them, uh, and use them in games. But at least he came to you and said, well, he was honest with you, I guess, and told you what you needed to do to have an international career.
1: Yeah, and and listen, it's, uh, I'm not the only one that's done it. Uh, like if you look at the the bench on there, that Amalgamated 15, uh, you'll see Dave Heffernan is a sub back row. Uh, for that game, so he he also went through a, a similar transition, um, and has, has had an unbelievable career uh, for Connacht and Ireland. So um, it's it can be done, but it just takes. I'm sure he would say the same. It's um, it's it, it probably a lucky one where it's it's practice, 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 um, and and you can get there. But yeah, very very lucky to have had like. But um, he's now the principal in Newbridge College. Uh, Pat O'Brien, he, he actually moved me into the forwards. I was playing scrum half for the for in Ace rugby club for for the year before I went in, and um, he was patting me on the shoulder and he's like, "Listen, you can you can play scrum half, but it'll be for the D's, or you can play in the forwards, and we'll have you in the ace." And I was like, "Yeah, I think I'll play in the forwards." So uh, he was the first one to to kind of start moving me forward, and then I slowly got moved more further and further for, uh, forward into the front row. Uh, that was kind of the next pat in the back was uh, Derek Sherlock, another uh, teacher of mine. Uh, he was kind of, had the chat with me, been like, would you like to play Junior Cup in the second year? I was like, yeah, yeah, of course, I'd do anything. And he's like, you do anything? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, you're going to be playing the front row now. So I was like, okay. So I moved from scrum half to flanker to prop within uh, within two years. And uh, I haven't looked back since.
2: Just don't tell the parents until they actually show up to watch the match. Like, I didn't see it. I was, I was in the front row. That was a secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: In a way, right? I know you you talk about being uncomfortable with the ball going out, but having the loose head skills and, and understanding about the possibility of carrying, presumably that was something that separated you from some of the competition that you would have had as hookers who'd been hookers their whole time, focusing just on technique. I know now, obviously, you look at Dan Sheehan, he's a bit of a freak, but Keller also a bit of a freak. But you would have had the, the dynamism of a loose head to bring, I guess that's, I, I'm trying to, in the positive side, the, the negative is obviously the lack of throwing experience, but then the positive is that like there is more dynamism inbuilt in your game.
1: So I'd say one of the main things that helped was, as a loose head, you go into every game and you're you're almost having an individual battle with the tight head. It's you versus them. Now, the whole scrum is obviously part of it as well, but it's it's a lot more individual than... Um, say, hooker, where it's more of a collective. You're more the glue in the middle of the scrum um, and you're trying to set everyone up so you we can all attack versus uh, your, your loose head versus their tight end and your tight end versus their loose head is a lot more of an individual battle. And I loved that part of it. Um, so it took me a little bit to stop being selfish in the middle at hooker. But once I kind of realized that and realized that I'd kind of set everyone else first, and then I could be part of the attack. Uh, and, and, and it made then, you know, um, some of my favorite parts of and memories I have from, from playing the game were big scrum penalties. You know, like uh, I, I, I said before that I loved scrummaging with Keane Healy at Tighthead as well. I loved bit Lusa, but Tighthead, because I knew, you know, he, he wasn't as experienced at it, but he wanted to go, he wanted to attack, right, no matter what. So it was either, it was kind of holding him back more than anything else. But, the satisfaction out of getting a, a scrum penalty in a big moment like you just can't beat it because especially in hooker it's because you know it's group effort and there's a lot of little things that have to go right for you to to do it um but I had I had that probably ingrained in me from from playing loosehead and and loving that one on one battle um against whatever tight head I was playing against and uh yeah and and really getting up for it every time it was a scrum you knew you were looking at, the, uh, at your opposite tight head and you knew it was go time
2: Yeah, that does sound particularly enjoyable when you put it like that. Uh, The last one we have here is um, James Ryan's first touch in professional rugby being a try for Ireland against the USA. I think people have kind of forgotten about the fact that James Ryan is one of those few people uh, in history who played for Ireland before he actually played his his first full game for his provinces all the way back in 2017.
1: Incredible. So I think uh, Gordon Darcy did it as well. Uh, I'm not sure. Do you know of anyone else? Uh, is there anyone else on that list now? It's a very, very, very short list, I'm I sure. Think,
2: so I think Bod, uh, I think, played for Ireland before he played for Leinster. I'm not sure. He certainly played for UCD before he played for Len, uh, Ireland. But I'm fairly sure. Was there... Did Brian O'Driscoll play for... I don't know. We, we looked that up I thought, it was, I th- yeah, I thought
1: it was... Yeah, I thought You would know Darcy, better, I suspect, but, but
2: go on, yeah.
1: No, I, uh, well, yeah, I think it could have been Darcy. I'm not sure about oh, O'Driscoll, oh, um, but... When he when he came into into Leinster and Ireland camp, there was just there was a feeling about him that this guy was something special. And, and uh, you know, I remember chatting chatting to a few of the kind of the background staff uh, about him. Uh, you know, because he was he came in, and he was he was a kid. You know, he was this big, huge frame, but he was you know he was a scrawny kid, uh, and he was so raw, but his attention to details straight away and his understanding of the game and, and just his, uh, just had something about him. There was just an aura of something special, but like he didn't like, he was very unassuming. There was no, like he wasn't strolling around camp or strolling around Leinster. He was, he was, he was like a student of the game straight away. And he was very inquisitive, um, you know, to to people that he looked up to, he'd, he'd always be kind of trying to get little insights and, and little things of, of uh, that he could learn. But absolutely incredible to to think that someone like I'm, can't, was he was he nineteen twenty maybe when uh, when when he did? But like to for your first touch ever in professional rugby to be a try, uh, it's just kind of set the tone for, for where he's gone since then. And I think he's probably the most complete second row in the world right now. And I say that from looking at his statistics, uh, you know, like his his tackle statistics are for, for the last season were about 97%. Uh, just to give you like a benchmark, like anything above 91% in most things will be world-class. You know, if your throwing was 91%, uh, if you're, if you're carry of getting over the game, I was 91%. It, it, usually that's kind of 91%. It's kind of the baseline for if you want to be world class at anything. If you can get over 91, he's at about 97 with his tackle. Um, his, his rook would be, it'd be mid kind of 93, 94. Uh, his rook effectiveness is, he's probably one of the most dominant tacklers out there. Um, in the last kind of year or so. His line-out would be in and around the, the mid-90s, around 94, 95. He's, he's just – he, how many balls does he steal in big moments? I think, I think that's probably something we, we've we taken for granted with him because he just keeps doing it, is that he probably comes up with two – definitely one, if not two, big moments a game where we're we're back against the wall and he'll come up with a huge line-out steal or line-out disruption. I think having himself and Peter romani in uh, in our line out defense is is just something that makes puts a lot of pressure on opposition hookers and callers because you know unless you get your drill spot on, you get it in the right area, they're going to get a hand to it and then your 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 attacking uh, opportunity is going to be gone.
2: Yeah, I think uh, most Leinster fans would say it's fair to say that we wouldn't have lost the final if he'd stayed on for the whole game, but not to open old wounds here. <laughs>
1: Oh, listen, yeah, and and he, the sad thing is, we'll never know. But he was having an absolute stormer as well. You know, he he was he was probably the best player on the pitch. I'm not even just saying that because he left. He, you know, he, like his last moment is him smashing Will Skelton. You know, like he's usually takes about two or three people to to stop him. And uh, and James had he'd smashed him a couple of times already in the game. and He'd put in a few dominant hits on other guys, but. Uh, he's in the in the midst of putting in a huge shot on him and, and catches a straight knee, unfortunately, and, and that's his game over.
2: Uh, on the grief curve, I now. I've decided that uh, them losing is going to drive them on to great things at the Rugby World Cup, and Leinster have just taken one for the greater good. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to spin all these things in to, into a positive, and, and uh, you, you got to bottle up that grief and, and use it for good, and uh, that's all you can do. Unfortunately, when you when you lose, especially in, in a final, you have to just find a way to use this view. Um But back to to James, I think we're so lucky now to have like a few, like generationally good, um, what well, second rows one, but um, just players in general. And what a time to be an Irish supporter coming into this world cup, you know, like get the option of, of uh, you, you got to like burn and and, um, on himself in there. You, you, you know, you've, you've Henderson who, you know, I, I think people forget about him because he's probably had a bit of an injury run. Um, he's been one of Ireland's stalwarts for the last maybe eight years. So uh, like unbelievable player. Um, he's the kind of guy he, 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 gets through a ridiculous amount of work and you don't really notice it until you watch like the video back and you look at his stats. He's, he's unbelievable. i another man to come up with a big moment. Um, and yeah, like we're 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 lucky to to have this sort of strength and depth going into a World Cup.
2: And so we we've uh, had it checked. Um, I think Gordon Darcy turned down the opportunity to play for Ireland to do his leaving cert in 1998, which would have meant he was capped beforehand. He didn't make a senior bow. Uh, for Ireland uh, till a little bit later and then played for Leinster the next year but O'Driscoll did play for Ireland before he played for Leinster in 2000 sorry not in 2000 but okay. by that stage it was 98 I think was the his 99 but, yeah. 99 yeah. 99 he made his debut yeah so
1: illustrious company wow. yeah wow very good yeah uh, that is it's 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 nothing short of ridiculous but uh, like you look at the the three lads that you just named there and, and yeah they're generationally good players and uh Yeah, there's no denying why they got the opportunity when they did because you just got to get these sorts of guys in and and get a feel of of international rugby, get them comfortable in the environment, and and start building them as leaders. Um, But yeah, fair play to uh, to well, it wouldn't be hard to see the talent and and have the foresight to bring them in. But um, fair play to the coaches that you know did get them in early and, and. and um, we all got to reap the rewards of, of having them part of the, the Irish and, and Leinster setups
2: James great stuff that was a brilliant version of you had to be there thanks a million we'll let you get back to the sunshine cheers
1: good man thanks a million lads chat to you soon So sure, James
2: It's so unexpected it's one of those you had to be there moments you had to be there it subsequently genuinely did change everything about my life you had to be there Yeah, you can get uh, all of the You Had to Be There's in the OTB daily feed. It is 9.35, OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.